we have been in a series on warfare. And this has been on my heart for, since yesterday actually, the Lord started to lay this on my heart, but I just feel like we as a body need to just stop and pray. Um, just visit with Pastor Jeff last night a little bit, going out to Lower Brule, and I just, it's on my heart that we just stop and pray for them this morning. Whatever that's going on, whatever they're doing this morning, that God's anointing would just be there. We support them in missions, and uh, I just feel, would, would you just join me in prayer? Father, I pray for Jeff and the team that is there this morning. God, that you would pour out your spirit like you've never done before. Lord, we are ready for revival in places where no one wants to go, where nobody wants to, to put in the hard work. And yet we have people who are there, God, in all of our reservations. And God, I pray especially for Lord Brule today. I pray for Jeff and Ann that you would bless them and anoint them and use them. For their team there, God, that you would pour out your spirit through them like they have never seen before. God, we just pray for them this morning. We just cover them in prayer. The enemy has no authority there. Satan, leave them alone today. And let the power of the living God flow like they have not seen before. Save people today, God. Save people today. Bring people to repentance. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. The only power by which they will conquer and defeat the demons of their past. God, pour out your Spirit. Anoint and move today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We um, have been talking about war. It's not always pretty. And then Katana gave this beautiful picture this morning of being in Jehovah's arms. Scott, come share what, what war brings about. You said you'd share So, a couple weeks ago, Pastor had asked if I would consider, Sarah and I would consider leading a connect group for the young adults or with the, with the, the adult group. And we kind of thought about it and kind of back and forth and, eh, I don't know, maybe kind of. And So Sunday night, I sent Pastor a text. I said, okay, we'll lead this, this small group. Tuesday morning, um, my company and I parted ways. Kind of semi-unexpected, kind of expected, whatever. I received a stipend, whatever, or a, a severance package. And that's just the way life goes. I, I Was I ready for it? No, not really. I, you know, wasn't expecting to come home on Tuesday morning and begin interviewing for different jobs immediately and trying to find a new place, whether it's here or there or wherever. And, but I will tell you this, that God is faithful. Regardless of the circumstance, we said we would do this. And the enemy said, oh, really? Well, let me help you do this. I'll let you lose your job. <clears throat> you won't have an income now. God said, don't worry about it. I got it. 
The scripture tells us that even the birds of the air, God feeds. God provides the shelter. Everything that we have is God's. Everything else is irrelevant. So I don't have a job. Okay. That means I get to spend more time with God and find out what He wants and prepare for this Sunday morning this in, on the 10th coming up to begin. And we get to invest in each other. And I'm looking forward to that. To seeing and sharing what God has done in our hearts through these scriptures. And so this program we're getting ready to do if you haven't been if you if you didn't sign up hey come and find someone and, and come and meet with Sarah and I as we are broken just like everybody else but we're under God's grace he is worthy of all praise for us to go forward all the weapons that he shot at us we could have had despair and anger and everything else what was the word I gave to you depression and guess what I have absolute peace because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through God to the destruction of all the strongholds that the enemy has. Don't let the strongholds, don't fear those, because God is greater. Amen. Amen. We're in a war. We're in a war. We've enlisted in a war. It's a little bit different picture than what the gospel that's being preached in many places today. We're in war. And with war comes casualties. Within war comes tough times. Within war comes things that are not pretty. But war is not about our circumstances or about what happens to us. It's about Him. This war is about the victor, the King of kings and the Lord of lords being glorified. And he wants us to see as many people come to Christ and to walk with him. That's what it's about. That's what he's about. We're in a war. A few weeks ago, we started talking about the armor of God. And I did a search on the internet and found the best pictures possible. And then Randy and Julie go on vacation in somewhere out in Europe and they are on this river cruise and they stop somewhere and they're at a, at a castle and they have some Roman Empire or yeah, Empire Times uh, uh, armor and it's way better than the pictures I had. <laughs> and so you just kind of flow through them there. There's a few. Um, some belt of truth. All these things we talked about there. These are much better pictures than the ones that I had. And I thought, how cool to find these different things. The helmet of salvation. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. The shield of faith. They're all there. So I just wanted to share those with you. Because I think they're cool. 
So today, instead of starting off with just asking questions and moving on, I want you to take your notes or your phone or whatever you take notes in. I want you to answer some questions for me today before we move on. We are working on becoming real warriors for Christ. And so I've got four questions, five questions for you. And I want you to answer them. I want you to write it down. And I want you to put it somewhere where you can look at it again. I'm not going to collect them. This isn't homework. I'm not going to come around and, oh, you did that or you didn't do that. No, that's not this is about. This is about you writing something down. Because I have found that when I write something down, it becomes more real to me. It becomes more instantaneous. Like, oh, wow, I can see it in what I'm answering the question. And so question number one, what did you do this week to know the word of God? Did you go deeper in your devotions? Talked a lot about that. Don't stay at the surface level. What did you do this week to go deeper in your knowledge of the word of God? Answer that question. Specifically, say, I spent more time. I took my Bible and did a deeper study on a word, or I, what did you do to go deeper this week than other times in your life or other times in your habits? Have you chosen to go deeper? You see, this is where the rubber meets the road. Are we getting awake? Are we awaking from our slumber? Question number two. Did you fight the enemy with the scriptures when he came with his lies? Or did you go, poor is me? Because every one of us was attacked this week somewhere. He threw stuff at you. Satan's good at it. He throws those arrows and he throws them long and hard and fast. How'd you fight? I don't want to be in war. I don't like this, God. Quit throwing those at me, Satan. You can't do that. Or did you start quoting the scriptures like Jesus did? Satan doesn't care who you are. You know that? He doesn't know your name. He just wants to destroy you. But the Bible says... That when we call on the name of Jesus, the demons of hell have to flee. Because they know the name of Jesus. And we have to start fighting with what the word of God says. What did you do this week to fight the enemy? Question number three. What specific thing did you do to surrender more to Jesus? We say it. I say it every Sunday. We surrender, we surrender, we surrender. What did you do specifically? Found an accountability partner. Shut the TV off. What did you do to more surrender God.
Question number four. Did you put your armor on this week? And if so, what did that look like for you every day? Did you put the helmet of salvation on? Did you put your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel? Did you put your belt of truth, shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness? Did you take up the sword of the Spirit? Did you pray? All things we've been talking about. How did that look for you? I'm not saying you have to stop and, and quote that scripture and, and pretend you're putting it on every day. But I'm asking you, are you living in those things that we're supposed to be doing on a daily basis? Because you've got to do it. God doesn't say, put on the whole armor of God just because he thinks it's, it's something you need to do. You get dressed every day and put clothes on, thank God. And you also want to make sure that you put that armor on. When we get beat up, when we get destroyed, it's because we don't put the whole armor on and we let the enemy find holes in our armor. That's when we get defeated. That's when, we get, that's when the enemy begins to win. But if we keep that armor on. Question number five. God spoke to us this morning and said, we got to get out of our church pews and we've got to start impacting people. He says that to us again this morning. It's not the first time we've heard that. He said it to us again. And so I ask you, question number five, who did you impact for Jesus Christ this week? By name. By name. Now, if you don't know their name, the guy at the grocery store, maybe he's okay. But by name, who did you impact for Jesus this week? I'm not saying they got saved. But you did something to impact their lives for Jesus Christ. I want you to take those home with you this week. And I want you to focus on the answers to those questions. Look at your answers. Look at your answers. Watch those this week. And ask yourself, what can I do this week? Maybe you didn't have an answer to one of those questions this week. Will you have an answer next week? Will you go home and do something? Because as, as we heard again from the Lord this morning, it's not about what we do just here on Sunday, but it's every day. We've got to do this daily. I'll get off my soapbox. Last week, we continued our discussion about the weapons of our warfare. We finished discussing the sword, the importance of our weapon. We also discussed about powerful spiritual weapon or tools that keep us connected to the commander-in-chief through prayer. Today, we wrap up our summer series and the study of the armor of God and the weapons of our warfare. It has been a powerful summer. It's time to put it into action now. When we leave here today, we'll, we'll have the entire armor, we'll have all of the weapons, and it is time to go make a difference in the world. You are called, you are called to go impact people. And today, God's calling you. Have you ever tried to open something? And you're struggling really hard to get it open? Majorly frustrated, ready to throw it out the window? And somebody comes along and says, yeah, if you just pull the string right here, it just comes right open. And you go, Rrr. Or, you know, it says... 
the strange stuff that they have nowadays that if you just push a little bit right here, it'll pop open. What? Why does it say that? You get frustrated opening something. Or you're trying to get it open and they come along and say, well, if you just had the right tool, you could get it open. So many times we try to struggle to do tasks that we often learn later there are simpler ways to do it. My dad built a house. While he was working, we, would live, we lived in this, motor home, this trailer house in front of our property out west of Sioux Falls. And my, da- and my dad was building this house, and so he would come home at night from work, and he'd work on this house till 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, and he would build this house. My dad is a perfectionist when it comes to building, and so every corner was perfect, and uh, everything was done. It was tight. He couldn't get any air in that house if they wanted to. It was, they, we literally had to open windows to light a fire in the fireplace because there was no circulation in the house. It was, my dad, no, he's just a perfectionist. But I watched my dad build. And I would watch him, and, and when we first started to build this house, he, he had a good set of tools. But I would watch him go buy tools that would make his life easier. And then I watched him invent things to make his life easier. Because if, and a lot of times he was doing it because he was alone. And so he had to invent something to be another person. Um, we were pretty young at the time, I think third or fourth grade when we were building this house. And, and so I wasn't much help, and I didn't want to do it anyway. I hate building. I still to this day hate putting anything together, doing anything to do with building. I hate it because it never works for me. But I watched my dad do this, and I learned that if you have the right tools, things become easier. And not only that, but I've watched now as I go to the hardware store, and I go to these places, um, and watch contractors working. I go, my dad did that 40 years ago. My dad, had, my dad, had, he should have got rich off of some of this stuff because the things that now they're using to make their life easier, my dad invented while he was building our house, I think. Because he, he was just trying to come up with some way to make life easier. And so we, we look at these things and we, we have these tasks and, and sometimes we, we put a lot more work into something that needs to be, that doesn't need to be there. And the same thing goes spiritually. We have all these tools and weapons and armor at our disposal. And we fight in the flesh when we don't have to. He's given us the weapons of our warfare. The sword of the Spirit. Which is the Word of God. He's given us prayer. Prayer is a tool of spiritual warfare that we have got to begin to understand and use like we have never used it before. There is a reason prayer meetings are the least attended meetings in any church because people don't want to engage in spiritual warfare. And it's telling you we've got to learn to pray and be vocal and be be intentional in those prayers. Today we're going to talk, I can't really call it a weapon because he is the Holy Spirit and I don't see him as a weapon, but he is a tool in our arsenal that God has empowered us with that is so powerful and mighty that we need him and we desperately need him in this day and age. Would you stand with me for one last time? We are going to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 together. 
maybe. Oh, she put it on nice and... All right, ready? Finally, be strong in the Lord. Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. Then I want you to read this out loud with me. I think we have Zechariah 4, 6. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Father God, by your spirit, come into this place today and speak to us through your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. God is calling us to prepare for battle. It is time to put on the whole armor of God. He is calling us to take up our weapons, and he's calling us to start to fight. Take the sword that God has given you and take down the enemy. Take the power of prayer and go after the enemy. Take the power of the Holy Spirit and go after the enemy. It is not by might. It is not by power. But it is by the Spirit of the living God that we must move forward. We must have the Spirit of God. He is not a weapon. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to minimize. But as I said last week, the weapons, when Paul begins to come and bring this, this whole thing together of a beautiful picture, he runs, out of a, he runs out of illustration because he doesn't stop there. He says, pray. 
And if there's one word that he uses twice in this passage, at the end of Ephesians chapter 6, 18 there, he says, pray in the Spirit, and he said, the sword of the Spirit. He continually brings it back to the Holy Spirit, and we must become people of the Spirit. Why is the Spirit so important to Paul? Because it is the second greatest gift that you have. You get saved by the greatest gift. Salvation comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is the greatest gift you have. He says he gives us eternal life. There's nothing greater. Nothing greater. But then he sent the Holy Spirit. Why is the Holy Spirit so important? Because we have a battle going on. It's a continual battle. Flesh and the enemy fighting against God and his commands. God says, this is the way it should be. We say, no, this is the way it should be. And Satan's over here going, no, nah, come on over here. I've got a better way. And it's constant. It's a constant battle. And the only way I believe we make it to the end is with the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Because we are called to be children of God. We are empowered to be children of God. And His Spirit in us is what gets us to the end. We're going to talk about that this morning. The power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our gift. The first thing that I want to talk about this morning is that we, the church of Jesus Christ, needs an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God promised it through Joel, the prophet. Chapter 2, he says, And afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Think about that for a moment. We, as a people, have started to look down on the next generation and we constantly complain about the way they do things and how they do things and God said he wants to pour out his spirit on that generation and cause them to prophesy we need to be people who are looking for this next generation to rise up and your old men will dream dreams your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And then in Acts chapter 2, we see this happen. For the first time, it begins to be shown to us. And, and, and Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost and says, This is what Joel wrote about. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord, in one place. And suddenly, think about it, they had been in this room for days. They'd had a business meeting. They had prayer, and they were in one accord, and they sat there. And all of a sudden, they didn't know when it was going to happen. They didn't know how it was going to happen. But suddenly, after they were faithful to pray, after they were faithful to be there, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
And then there appeared to them divided tongues as fire. And one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Church, we need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit again. Pentecost, come! Holy Spirit, come! The Assemblies of God was founded through two outpourings where the Spirit of God began to move and they began to see a revival of something they read about only they never experienced it before. It, never been, it had disappeared from the face of the earth almost. But on those days in, the, in, in Arkansas and later at Azusa Street, God began to move and people began to speak in tongues and the Spirit of God began to be outpoured upon people. And church, we need it again! It's time to arise. It's time to awaken. It's time for the Spirit of God to change His church again. Unfortunately, we have become a tongue-talking church and not a Spirit-filled church. We know how to speak in tongues. We get that and we think we've arrived and we stop. That is not the promise. The promise is the power of God. The promise is the dunamis power that God wants to pour out upon us. That is what he promised. Tongues is an evidence of that and knowing that it's there. And, it is an out, and, and, it's, and there's an avenue that tongues is used as a uh, hotline to heaven. That the Spirit of God prays through us. And I don't diminish tongues. I'm a tongue talker and I believe it and I believe that it's the evidence in a world that is trying to rule that out. But I'm telling you, if all we are is tongue talkers, then we've missed it. We need to be empowered by the Spirit of God. And it is still for us today. Acts 2, 38 and 39, Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's for you. You shall receive. For the promise is to you and to your children and all who are afar off and as many as the Lord our God will call. We all get the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not only do we get it, we desperately need it. Second of all, besides an outpouring, we need to be spirit-led. One of the biggest things that we face as spirit-filled believers is to become spirit-led believers. I'm telling you this morning, 90% or more of our time is spent on our selfishness and worldly things that have nothing to do with God. I don't lie. It's a struggle every day. I like comfort. I like easy. I like food. I like good stuff. And it's a fight to fight this world and a fight to fight those wants of this world to have what the world offers instead of having what God wants me to have. But if I choose to become spirit-led, he then leads me down the paths where he wants me to go. And one of the things that I've learned is those things that I struggle with, those 90% of the time, I spend 90% of my time on, fade. I no longer like them anymore. 
I'm a Royals fan. If you've never figured that out, you know, I even, it's right here, Kansas City. Been a Royals fan since I can, as long as I can remember, 1978 or somewhere in there, 1980. I love the Royals. I grew up being able to quote you every batting average, every person where they played. I knew their stats inside and out. Today, well, they're really bad. I barely know the names of any of the players. It's not important. Do I listen? Do I watch? Do I follow here or there? Once in a while. But it's not important anymore. Because the things of God become important. Things of God become important. And all of us have that. Psalms 143.10 in the ESV says, Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are called the sons of God. Galatians 5, 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Dropping down to 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. John 16, 13. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. In Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27, I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. God calls us to be led by him. When we're led by him, we live a different life. The world around us has caused the church to compromise. There's things that the church and people in the church do today we wouldn't have been caught dead doing 100 years ago. And we do it all in the name of grace. And we do it all in the name of, well, that was legalism. This isn't anymore. We're not under legalism. We're under grace. But God hasn't changed. His statutes haven't changed. And if we are filled with the Spirit, we will walk in the Spirit. We will be led by the Spirit. And we will get rid of the things that are not of God. Whether we like it or not, there's coming a judgment day. And you and I will be judged. And you and I have got to have our hearts right with Him. I'm convinced that there are a lot of people who are in this thing called Christianity to just get to heaven, and they really don't give a rip about Jesus or His calling or His mission. I just don't want to go to hell. I'm afraid that if Jesus came on a Sunday, the churches would be left mostly full. 
Not to cigarette, not that I have to worry about myself. I don't want you to go there. But I'm telling you that we have to keep our hearts right with Him. Being led by the Spirit. He cleans us up. He takes those things that we do in our flesh and He helps us get rid of it. Number three, Spirit empowered. It's two parts. One, to evangelize. Acts 1.8 says, We shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. We shall be witnesses. God spoke it to us this morning and I say it again to you now. We have got to win the lost. We have got to be being an example to the lost. You and I are the only Jesus these people are ever going to see. They're only people, the people in the world that you live in, are the, you're the only one. You can't count on somebody else. You can't count on some other person. You have to be available to be led by the Spirit, to be available to, to evangelize, and you are filled with the Spirit. You say, I can't do that. Yes, you can. The Holy Spirit is in you, and He said He has empowered you to do that. You're more than a tongue talker. You are an empowered believer of God, and you can go evangelize broken people. Then there's the power of the Spirit. Jesus said that greater things we would see and do than he did. It is time for the church to use the gifts of the Spirit the way they were intended to be used. And that's not just inside this building. In fact, a majority of them, they're the gifts of the Spirit, and the Spirit came to make us powerful to go witness. Therefore, the gifts of the Spirit are needed where? When we're out evangelizing. I need the word of wisdom. I need the word of knowledge when I'm talking to somebody that doesn't know Jesus. I need the spirit of discernment of spirits so I can know how to best minister by being led by the Spirit. I need the power of, of, of miracles. I need the, the spirit of, of, of healing. I need those things, those gifts to take place. When we're out there in the midst of a broken world, they need to see and hear us see, doing what God has called us to do and what the Holy Spirit wants to do. We need to be powerful. We need to be powerful. God has not given us the spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7, but he has given us power and of love and of sound mind. And then we need prayer power. I said it earlier, tongues is a, is a heavenly language that God gives us that we can pray. Romans 8, 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. My tablet just went wacko. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which we cannot be uttered. We need the Holy Spirit to pray through us. And there are times when we need him to pray and be interceding, and that's the only way I can pray. There's times when I'm praying for somebody and I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. And the only thing I have is tongues to pray and let the Holy Spirit pray through me. And we need to be people who are not ashamed of tongues, but are proud to be represented in the kingdom of God, to be Him using us and wanting to use us and empowering us when we're seeking and needing to pray for somebody. You see, these are the weapons that we talk about in, in 2 Corinthians where, where it says they are not carnal, but they're powerful. They're not of this world. Sword of the Spirit. 
prayer and the Holy Spirit. He is a gift to you to use in this war. How do we win the war? Because the Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit helps us put that armor on every day. He helps us to have the faith. He helps us to have the salvation. He helps us to keep our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. He helps us with that righteousness. He helps us with all these things. It's time to take up the armor of God. It's time to take up his weapons that he's given us. The last thing I want to leave you with is that when the Holy Spirit resides in you, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If we are temples of the Holy Spirit, then we need to live in such a way that the Holy Spirit can stay there. There are days in my life when I'm not real proud. And I don't think that the Holy Spirit would want to reside with me. (laughs) I don't want to reside with myself often. Those days have got to be disappearing. And I have to be more like Him. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The next time you think that you can get away with a sin, remember, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And He is right there. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 6.19 and 20, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. What all of this is to say is that where the Spirit of the Lord resides, there is freedom. So many people want to think that when you serve God and the Holy Spirit comes, He binds you. He gives you freedom. There's freedom. So what if I can't do the things of this world? I don't need them. I can laugh. I can have fun without any help. I can have, I can, you know, there's all the things of the world. They tell us make our life more fun. I'll take Jesus any day and the Holy Spirit living in me because he, he will bring fulfillment. He will bring peace and he will bring his power to enable us to live and overcome. Would you stand with me? See, one of the best things about having food afterwards is we don't have to be in a hurry to get out of here. Would you come and join me at this altar this morning? And we're just going to sing this song, Rest on Us Again. Holy Spirit, come rest on us. We're ready for another outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We're just going to ask him this morning, would you come? Would you come? Would you come? And let's just begin to wait upon him this morning. Let's just wait upon him. Holy Spirit, we want you. We need you. We understand the war. Over all these weeks, we've understood that we're in a battle. But thank you that you have given us the tools and the weapons to overcome. And so we cry out to you this morning, God, come. 
Pour your Holy Spirit out upon us in a fresh way. Come pour your Holy Spirit out on you, God, on us, God. Come pour out yourself in us. We are desperately in need of you. Rest on us. Rest on us.